Hello, wonderful world. Welcome back to Enter the Metaverse. On today's podcast, we have special special guest Corby Mitlead, right? Mitlead. Mitlead, sorry. A visionary and writer, certified tarot, tarot master, psychic, medium, past life specialist, and channeler. Corby works with s- several cl- clients around the globe. However, Corby's success wasn't always sunshine and rainbows. There were always there were also a roller coaster of challenges that we're going to dive into today. So, welcome Corby and thanks for joining us on today's podcast. It's my pleasure. Thank you. So, well, let's start off with a little backstory here about how you got into all your before you got into all your uh successes and stuff like that. Like yeah. That's the question everybody always asks, which is how did you get started? When I was nine, I read a book called The Witch Family by Eleanor Estes, and that told me there was magic in the world. So I started to look for it. In 1973, when I was a senior in high school, I bought my first deck of tarot cards because we were all hippies then. You had your elephant bell bottoms and your jacket and your deck. I continued to read for friends for about 20 years, keeping my ego out of the way and making sure that I was a clear channel for the information. All of a sudden, in the early 90s, I could do hands-on healing and talk to dead people with no training. That's when the universe handed me my draft notice and said, hello, you're working for us. So I worked part-time at it for several years, adding skills to my tote bag, if you will, until 9-11, when my husband and I watched the towers burn. And I knew that I needed to do this work full-time because people would need to know that there are other answers out there. So I've been full-time since then. That's about 20 years. 20 years of experience. Now, when you picked up your first deck, do you remember the first deck you had? It was the James Bond 007 tarot deck because that was the year Live and Let Die came out. I haven't. So that's what Spencer Gifts was carrying. I don't remember all the James Bond movies, but that sounds sounds amazing. (laughs) So... Yeah. And you, you, in your profile here, it's some, a little bit about your uh, family history here. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, everybody else in my family <clears throat> was medical. Dad was a cardiologist. My mother was an RN. My brother is a world famous pediatric pulmonologist in cystic fibrosis and asthma. I was a writer. I was an actress. I was the visionary. And so I was always, if you will, the odd man out. I went to an Ivy League university for two and a half years, but those were in the days when everything was pass-fail. There was no real structure in it, and I was not built for that. I should have gone probably to a much more traditional school, someplace like Syracuse. But I left, and for the next decades, tried to figure out who I was. Got through two divorces, rape, poverty, abuse, three bouts of breast cancer, But all of that has made me someone who is stronger on being able to help clients with really challenging situations. Yeah, I think in times like this, we we always like every every time throughout history, we we always have struggles. And like, I think right now, I guess it's a really it is a really troubling time. And we need a lot of help from healers and and guides. Mm -hmm. And I think what you do is is really good work. And thank you. Just wanted to make a note here. Now, 
You said you survived th- breast cancer three times. I didn't say I survived it. There's a difference. I didn't fight cancer because what you fight fights back. And I am not a survivor because I do a lot more than hold on by teeth and toenails. I am what I call a cancer dancer. I found out how graceful I could be under pressure. I avoided getting my toes stepped on and I got off the dance floor in one piece. And I've been clean for 18 years and I'm sure three and I'm done with it. 18 years of breast cancer. Wow. No, 18 years clean. Oh, clean. Sorry. So so how long, how long did you have it for? First bout was in 1989 when I was acting in New York. That was uh, two lumpectomies and radiation. Skin cancer from the radiation in 2000. And I got more surgery for that. And then it was a second primary in 2004. But that was a double mastectomy and reconstruction. Um, Reproductive stuff out to bring my hormones down to zero basically what they had to do was neuter me and I had to learn who I was going to be without the Dolly Parton figure that I had had since I was 11 years old. You know, I jokingly say I'm now a fat fire plug with permanent side effects. And I was just married for 18 months when it first started, but this guy was the right guy. And this month we're celebrating our 20th anniversary. Oh, congratulations. 20 years, uh, 20, 20 month, you said, right? No, 20 years. He 20 and I years were married sorry. in 2002. I got the breast cancer in 2004 and the surgery. And this year is our 20th. Anniversary. 20 years. Okay. Yeah. 20 years. Wow. Yeah. I, I, I struggle with health issues, but I always think like, oh, I have, I have it bad, but I don't, I don't really have it. I mean, I have it. I, I have, I had IBS for 15 years. And other issues like that, like I have some other issues. I'm not going to really get into my issues, but yeah. And uh, cancer is a real serious, serious deal. It's not nothing, not a joking matter. But anyway, now tarot, Mm -hmm. I have so many questions about it because a lot of people want to learn how to get into tarot. And did you have like a, um, a mentor? Nope. Nope. Um, I have had a mentor for mediumship for perhaps two months, but everything else I have always learned on my own. It's just how I operate. But there are tarot cards and there are oracle cards. They're very different. Tarot has rules. It's the 78 cards, 22 majors, four suits. And there are a couple of books that I recommend to anybody who is starting to learn One of them is written by Tarot Grandmaster Mary Greer, and that is called Tarot for Yourself. It's a great book for learning all of the the basics and and the um, complementary ideas. What's the astrology? What's the numerology with it? But there's also a, a book that I love that I have had for years. And I still refer to it occasionally. You're going to see how really ripped up it is. It's Power Tarot. It's by Trish McGregor and Phyllis Vega. And the thing that I love about it is it breaks down things for you. If you're looking at wands, it not only tells you what the standard meaning is, what does it mean if you're looking at work or romance or finances or health or spirituality. So it helps rookies see how the cards can differentiate from subject to subject to subject. 
The other thing that I teach people to do is always look at the allegory in the card because when you realize the stories that cards are telling, you're going to be able to explain it to your clients much more easily. For instance, let's take the fool card. The fool card is not the stupid person. It's the exuberant rookie. If you look, you're going to see that he has a rose and he's carrying a hobo bag and there's a dog with him and he's about to step off a cliff. What's the allegory? When you grab hold of what you're passionate about, that's the rose, carry very little emotional baggage with you, that's the hobo bag, and tell only those who are loyal to you where you're going, that's the dog, you can cross mountains and fly. It is much easier for people to digest that rather than, oh, look, this is lots of new stuff coming into your life. If you're going to be a reader, you really have to lead your client along in a way they'll understand. Now, I hear a lot of tarot uh, people on YouTube, tarot masters or whatever they want to call themselves. No, tarot uh, master is a designation that I have through the Tarot Guild because I have been reading for over 50 years. 50? Five, I'm zero? 67. I'm 67. I started in my teens, yes. Okay, that makes sense. Um, now, when, when I was, was saying when I, I hear like a lot of it comes to your own interpretation, like just looking at what you see a, instead of going by a guidebook most of the time. That's how you Absolutely. get better. Yeah. Yes. If it was just, you could go through a guidebook, then anybody could read. Mm-hmm. But I'll give an example of a card that's very common It's the Three of Pentacles. Now, in most decks, especially if they are rider weight based, you see a church building and a stained glass window, and there's a man working on it. Now, that's usually mastery, or it's considered, you know, a long-term event. But when I saw that card, slightly different, in the deck that I use, I was reading for a couple in Kitchener, Ontario, and what I heard was there was a deconsecrated or abandoned church within about two or three miles, and they were meant to open up a cafe bakery there. Now, no book is going to tell you that, but I have learned when I get that kind of a direct download, you tell them. So I did, and they looked at each other, and they looked at me, and they said, oh, yeah, we know which one. We've been arguing for two years. That is why you have got to leave your ego out of reading. Because if your ego is afraid you're going to sound stupid, you will not give the right messages. Mm-hmm. You are just the tube the information comes through. Let it out and trust it. Trusting your intuition. Correct. Trusting that it's not your ego that's making the decision. Whatever you have to say, they'll have a reason for getting that message. Oh, okay. Um, I have a deck in front of me and i have a card from that deck i don't know if you know this mm-hmm. deck very well but what was the deck that you use now currently the like this is called tarot illuminati it is rider weight based the artist is eric dunn d-u-n-n-e and his work is gorgeous tarot illuminati illuminati it's published by los garabeo and i think at this point it's the best-selling tarot deck in the world outside the classic rider weight yeah, I have the I have the patch tarot deck. I don't, it's mm-hmm. I like it because it's happy in it. 
it's, mm-hmm. this, this is my style. I like I like that. It's, it's, not everything is happy, but you know, you get reversal cards and different mm-hmm. meanings and all that stuff. So I'm not an expert at tarot at all. I don't, I don't claim I'm not I'm not I'm not anywhere near you. <laughs> I, I always have to look at the guide and I, I try to do my own interpretations on on stuff like that. But now when when you're starting out, do you suggest doing a three card spread, a one card spread, or does it matter? It's really great to learn different spreads. And a three card spread is not just past, present, and future. In fact, on my YouTube channel, I have a whole video on how you can use three card spreads. For instance, if a person says that they're looking at moving, but they don't know what to do about the house, you could pull three cards. Don't move, but renovate what you have. Build a new house. Buy one already built. Those are three cards. And you're going to see the energy in those three. They might find out that moving is not going to benefit them. But if they're willing to do the renovation on the house they have, they'll get exactly what they want, where moving, they probably have to compromise. So it's not a matter of how many cards. It is a matter of what kind of interpretation and meaning can you set on it? Now, if you have multiple cards in the spread, that helps you be less of a fortune teller. I will explain how. Let's say somebody comes to me about their career and I say, okay, stay where you are, change jobs or open your own place. And they say, I want to open up my own crystal shop. Pulling three cards and saying, well, wait until January and fire the redhead does not give them any power or free will. So I pull what I call the multiple card entrepreneur spread, a card for them, a card for any business partners they have, a card for the energy around the business, the brick and mortar location, how to market it, clients, competition, staff, finances, what they need to know and best possible outcome. This way they see the challenges and the pitfalls and they can make things work to the best of their ability. When it's just a yes or no question, if the answer is no, you're going to fail, how do they have any impetus to change that? They don't. They think, well, then I'm stuck. And that's when the fake gypsies come in and say, well, I have the $600 candle you can buy that will clear your business energy, which is, of course, fake. So spotting the the fakes from from the real people like you have more advice on that i have a ton um that was my second book the psychic yellow book road the subtitle is how to find the real wizards and avoid the flying monkeys oh that's interesting i can write that um it teaches you what we can and cannot do the kinds of questions to ask when to leave when to run, what kinds of things we can do. There isn't really another book out there like that. There are 6,000 books that will tell you how to do psychic development for yourself. But I compare that with what if you love going to art museums and you love sculpture? That doesn't mean you want to come home and have a block of marble and a chisel in your living room so you can dig out the camel that's hidden inside. You want to learn to appreciate So this doesn't necessarily teach you how to do psychic work yourself, though there's one little chapter at the end, but how to find good, solid, intuitive information and use it once you've got it. Yeah, that's that's a very unique way of 
going around like I, I like the subject in the book. Mm -hmm. uh, I never heard of it, anything, anybody having that type of device. Now, for tarot, actually, I'm going to get into past lives. And now, do you do when you're getting into past life? Is it regression? Is it through? Is it through hypnosis no, or how does that work? Not at all. There is a difference between regression and retrieval. Regression must only be done by a certified hypnotherapist or certified past life therapist. Because if you go into the Akashic record, if they hypnotize you and all of a sudden you're seeing a past life with a huge trauma in it or a violent death for you or whatever, if you are too deeply into that, that could emotionally scar you now. A certified hypnotherapist or past life therapist will be able to pull you back so that you can view it, but objectively you are safe. What I do on the other hand is retrieval. If you come to me and there is an obsession or a phobia or a place or a person that keeps cropping up and it's, it's a stumbling block or whatever, I have the ability to immediately go up into the Akashic and I will be able to pull down, if there is one, a past life that immediately speaks to that. The information is as valid, but because there's that layer between the information and you, it is very often easier to understand. I'll give you an example. A woman in York, Pennsylvania came to me and said, I'm really worried about my son. He's 29. He won't make any decisions without me. He won't live more than a mile from me. What is going on? I went up to the Akashic and immediately brought down, all right, I'm seeing 1944, it's Utah Beach, so this is D-Day. Your son is a soldier who got shrapnel in his leg. He's pretty wounded. You're his commanding officer. You scramble down, you reach and pull him over a dune to protect him. You take some shrapnel too, but you both live. And I opened my eyes and she looked at me and she said, can you see what rank I was? I said, yes, you were a sergeant. She said, he's called me Sarge since he was three years old and we have never understood why. There's key. Now she understands why on a uh, soul level, he depends on her so much and she might have the tools to begin to peel that away and help him find his own independence. So you're channeling, you're channeling into the Akasic records, correct? Uh, I'm going upstairs, yes. Yes. Yeah, I'm very, I'm very intrigued by the Akashic records and how you can access it. I, is, can anybody have this ability to access their Akashic record? Do you think, Sean? This is core to everything I've ever said. I am not special. You can do what I do. Anybody can do what I do with work and self-examination. Uh, it's why I lost a gig at a reality show because they wanted to tell everybody I was so unique and nobody could do. And I said, you're making the rest of my life a lie. I can't say that. So they shrugged and they went off to somebody who would, you know, become the psychic that they wanted to present. Remember reality show is an oxymoron. It's mm -hmm. not. Yeah. So if you had advice for me to access my Akashi records just in like to begin, like for beginners, what would you give? First, first, you need to go to boot camp. And this is core for anybody who's going to work in any kind of psychic realm. You got to learn how to ground. 
center, and shield. You have to learn how to be balanced, how to feel centered, you're solid where you are, and you know how to put up an energetic shield. Um, I think of it as if you know those little hamster bubbles that they put their pets in and they go rolling around in the living room and the, it drives the German shepherd crazy, but he can't get his <laughs> mouth on it. That's kind of what the shielding is. Um, it's one of the biggest problems when people want to muck about with metaphysics and they don't protect themselves. And one of the worst examples is Ouija boards. Okay. Ouija boards, people think, oh, they're simple. I'll put my hands on it and I'll get a message. But the thing is, because Ouija boards have so often been used by people with no training, they've attracted really negative energies. And I laughingly say playing with a Ouija board when you don't know how to ground center and shield is like throwing open your door in a strange neighborhood and yelling free beer. You do not know who's out there, but they heard you when they're coming. And just because it's in the toy department does not mean it's a toy. If you saw a box next to it called My First Chainsaw, would you give it to a six-year-old because it's a toy? No, you wouldn't. So the first thing you need to do to do the past life experimentation is learn how to ground, center, and shield and protect yourself. Ground, center, shield, and protect. You will find meditations that will help you go up there. Um, on my YouTube channel, there is one about a guided visualization to find your higher self. Now, what's your higher self? Your higher self is your soul with all of the experience it has ever had, time, space, everything. Um, the way I explained higher self and who we are is I'll use the example of Matt Smith. Matt was the 11th doctor on Doctor Who, but when he was done, he hung up the bow tie and suspenders in the closet he became Prince Philip on the first two seasons of The Crown for two years. He hung up the princely outfit, and now he's this crazy dude on House of the Dragon. The doctor, the prince, and the dude are all like incarnations. Matt Smith is like the soul of the higher self. Is that a clear explanation? Yes, it, it, okay. it's, it's clear. So when you do this meditation... You will go up and meet your higher self, which is the overarching compassionate soul that is you. And the two of you will go up to the Akashic Records and they will show you how to read the book. They'll show you how to pick out one life, one incident and learn from it. Mine is not the only meditation out there, but I would recommend that you find some kind of a meditation or guided visualization to help you get up there the first time. Um, now, I, I I had an experience back in 2017, I think it was. Okay. And I, you you're probably familiar with this term. I I, I assume you are. Uh, Dark Knight of the Soul. Life sucked. Yes. That's, it well, that's was scary. The, it was scary. Right. It was it was I was on honest. a train mm -hmm. for about two and a half days. Okay, you literally were? Yeah, I was on a train for two okay. and a half days. And I, I okay. overdosed on a medication that put me overboard. And I was I was having hallucinations, mm -hmm. so they say. But um, what happened was I was experiencing 
voices of Gabriel. I'm not saying this actually their voice. This is the voice I hear. They say their name. Gabriel, Archangel Michael. At the time, I didn't know who these people were. Mm-hmm. And, and what so, did they say to you? Um, they could have. They could have been. It could. It might not even <laughs> been them exactly. But no, I. There's a point I want to make. What did the voices that you hear say to you? Yeah. So they said, "What are we having for dinner today, Michael?" Because they were on the PA. Now, like mm-hmm. they weren't saying anything specific or anything, but they, I, I, what I, what I said before they started speaking, I said my angels are here. That's why I thought mm-hmm. they could have been angels. So they were just talking about stuff on the PA, but I can't remember exactly because it was very, very vague and blurry. I, I'm trying to forget most of it. Well. Except for that part, uh, most of the mm-hmm. the dark dark night part, I was trying to forget. So, okay. Now, where was this train going? Were you physically on a train, or are you using that as an expression for two and a half days? You were. No, I drugs? was on a train. Okay, there's more to the story. So, I was on a train from L.A. to mm-hmm. Seattle. Okay. And I, I experienced parts where I, I said, okay since I think I'm hallucinating, um, let's make this, or well, I don't know what I, like exactly I was thinking, but like I said, let's make it, let's make it dark. So we went through a tunnel and it got dark and I'm like, that's coincidence. And then we got out of the tunnel and it was night. And I'm like, okay, let's, let's slow down why the train. It, why did it take you two and a half days to go from LA to Seattle? That's way too long for that trip. I th- it would it might have been two days, maybe not two and a half. I don't exactly know the exact time frame. All I know was very, very delayed. So okay. it, from LA to Seattle, it yeah. should have took maybe a day and a half, and I think it took two days. Okay. So that maybe that's what it was. But um, why did you overdose? Oh, I would I I I have uh psychosis uh some type of psychosis, and. I was taking medication, self-medicated because I took too much, uh, because I was I was experiencing mm-hmm. symptoms. Mm-hmm. So I was taking too much during the trip. Okay, but um, while I know that people use psilocybin and things like that and LSD, and they say they hear voices, um, that I do not believe is how true voices work. Angels and spirit guides come in specifically for spiritual lessons. They neither build up your ego nor break you down. They are compassionate. They do not encourage you to do things that you know you wouldn't normally do. They don't tell you whether to eat the peas or the carrots on your dinner plate. They are here for spiritual growth. So in a case like that, where you heard those voices, I would absolutely discount them. Mm-hmm. To do ayahuasca, any of those sacred hallucinogens, you don't do them by yourself. You do it with a shaman, a master, someone who can help you with the control. So no, I, I will tell you right off, 
do not count that as anything that you want to follow. When we do spiritual work, yes, we have to give ourselves up to it. Can't tell the angels what we want them to say. But we that's why the ground centering shield, where you know you feel safe. And under those conditions, there was no way you could ground center and shield and get yourself safe. Am I making sense here? Yeah, because I was already already under influence of medication. Mm -hmm. So even if I were to put myself into a state of meditation, I think mm -hmm. it would my my brain would already be unbalanced. Right, and there is a possibility that negative entities could attach to you when you are so out of control. I used to think, yeah, they're, they're not there, but I have worked with some pretty amazing shamans, one of whom is now a close friend and lives here in the capital district of New York. And after 50 some years, I'm pretty good at keeping my surroundings safe, but I knew there was something in the house and on our land that was really sapping strength and focus. She came in and cleared the house and it was abilities that I, if I have them, I haven't activated them, but within 24 hours, this house was a different place. So what I would say to, to circle back to this is especially when you are just learning if you're going to use psychedelics, you do it in a controlled situation with someone who is an expert at them. You don't do it yourself. If, as I would prefer for you, I admit, you do it without drugs, that's when you ground center and shield and you learn step by step by step. Yeah, I didn't do psychedelics. It wasn't psychedelics, but I understand what you're saying. I had actually an ayahuasca on my previous uh, my previous podcast that's uploaded. It was mm -hmm. an ayahuasca retreat co-founder who I believe is a shaman as well. I didn't get I they didn't generally that, are yes use that term, but um yeah. So he was explaining to me how entities can attach to you when you yes. aren't in a protected, grounded and safe environment and he said yes it's not worth doing that's without right other people absolutely right and i agree with that that's why it kind of tear it kind of yeah. like i have a little bit of a fear of doing any type of psychedelics for two reasons one mm -hmm. of my psychosis and two because uh of of the attachment and i think i might already have attachment now to remove that attachment how does that process go do you know well, um, this is where I explain everybody has certain abilities, but they're not in everybody's wheelhouse. Uh, I am superb with tarot, oracle cards, past lives, but do not ask me to do spirit art because I can't draw a stick figure with a pencil and a lot of prayer. Um, entities, getting rid of them, that is the work of a shaman or a bruja. And I will recommend probably the best bruja that i have ever known her name is katrina rasbold r-a-s-b-o-l-d um she has published books with llewellyn she's done it for years and her website is crossroadsoccult.com c-r-o-s-s-r-o-a-d-s 
O-C-C-U-L-T.com. Now, let me explain. One of the things that a bruja can do is called a limpia. This is a spiritual cleansing. Now, when I was out at her shop three years ago, she was teaching her master students. And I said, yes, I will be a guinea pig. And part of it is they literally rub an egg on you uh, in the shell. And it's pulling off negative energies. And then they crack it in water, pray over it, and they will see entities and guides and things like that. Well, I had no idea what this was going to do, if anything. I thought, well, okay, I'll be a guinea pig. Um, the next two days, I could feel negativity and things peeling off me like layers of onions. So if you are concerned that you have any kind of a negative entity, any kind of an attachment, someone like Katrina is the person you want to go to. There are other shamans. I'm not saying she's the only one in the world. But for me, part of my professional rule is that I do not recommend anyone that I have not used their services myself. And I have used Katrina and she is the best of the best of the best. So that's what I would do. You get a hold of a shaman or a bruja. You let them do a cleansing for you. Now, Katrina, is mm -hmm. she located? What did you say she's located? She's in Shingle Springs, California, but you know, she does it um, remotely. Yeah, that was my going to be my next question. Most um, of us can remember that energy is energy. And what she is doing is working with the energies for years because people did not have the internet. People worked locally, but she has worked with my clients in Europe. She's, you know, makes no difference. Energy is energy. Energy is energy. Yeah. I have a, I have a close friend who works at a metaphysical store local here in my city. Mm -hmm. And where is your city? Maple Ridge in British Columbia, Canada. Okay. I don't know okay. if you've ever been to BC. No, I've lots of time in Ontario, but never gotten out west yet. Yeah, west is west is the best. <laughs> Just kidding, but <laughs> um, now, you're, you're, do you have a specific Claire? Is it clairvoyance to say the say the say the different type of Claire senses? Or um, all right, so there's clairvoyant which is clear seeing, there's clear audience, which is clear hearing, there's clear sentience, which is clear knowing. Um, I kiddingly call what one of my talents is, is clear feeling. Uh, I'm sure it's kinesthetic, something like that, but I use all of them. What I find unusual for me when I talk with the departed, or I just call it talking to dead people, when I try to reach them, I put my hands out and my guides have decided to give me a set of charades. If I'm trying to find your Uncle Robert and you give me his full name, the year he died and how old he was. Notice that doesn't tell me anything about him. I put my hands out and my guides will give me clues. He smoked. Um, he had an accident. He couldn't breathe at the end. He was intubated on oxygen, something like that. And there, I, there are 40, 50, 60 gestures over the years they've given me that give clues as to who this person was. And it 
really does work because it's as if I'm cloaking myself in the attitude of the departed person. Uh, for instance, very often with beloved uncles or grandfathers, I'll get this, which is the jokingly, God, I was so handsome. And clients laugh because it's that kind of energy. I will sometimes get their voice. There was uh, a woman whose husband had died six months before. Now, this was up in the Northeast where I live, but I felt my arms go out and my head tilt. And what came out of my mouth was, hey, baby, <laughs> which is he was from Texas. And it is how he walked into the house every night after work. Arms open and hey, baby. So did anyone teach me that? No. Is it how my guides want to work with me? Yes. Do my clients appreciate that level? Yes. So that's what's important. When it comes to mediumship, mm -hmm. now, how, okay, I guess you just told a couple stories that were kind of mm -hmm. highlights. Now, yep. could could you do a mediumship right now? Or like, I don't know, I want to I would refuse. Okay. And I'm this gonna... is why. Okay. No, no, no. You need to know why, because it's not that I won't do a reading on the air, but mediumship to me is intensely private. And when I get someone, I do not censor. So whatever comes out of my mouth could maybe not be appropriate on the air, could be intensely personal. I can't tell you what kind of emotion they're going to have. Many, many of my mediumship readings are deeply cleansing for the person who lost the deceased person. And that should not be on spec for strangers. Yeah, on the true. other hand, I do past life galleries the way other people do mediumship galleries because it's a very different sort of thing. Um, we have something called First Night in the United States. It's a citywide family-friendly event and lots of different venues and, and things. I, for a couple of years in Saratoga Springs, New York, did past life galleries. For 45 minutes, 150 people would come in. I'd start pulling past life. Boom, boom, boom. They'd leave. Another 150 would come in for three shows. Now, did I read everybody? No. Did I get lots? Yes. Because that's interesting. It, it doesn't point the finger at what they're doing now. So you see, because there is that distance between the information I'm giving them and their own lives, it's not embarrassing for a stranger to hear it. Whereas if I got someone's grandmother who said, I know that you tried stealing my money, but blah, blah, blah. They don't want that out in public. Yes, that that makes a lot of sense. That's good that you clarified that for me. Now, that must take a lot of energy out mm -hmm. of you to do. The, but I get the, a reader's high. I have so much fun and I love doing it that while I'm on stage, it's like I'm plugged into a huge battery. When I come off stage, I need a meal and I need to sleep. Always. Yeah. So when it comes to balance, like like you just kind of explain, you get sleep, mm -hmm. you get a meal. But like, how do you balance yourself throughout the day? How's, how's that go? Well, my... Protection shielding is always up. My guides are always here. Um, I love working from home because I've got cats to cuddle and I can get up and do the laundry if I want to. I can bring myself back to humanity. 
And I work six days a week, but you don't get me on Wednesdays. I have one day off a week that I will not work because that helps balance me. It's, you know, date day with my husband. And it means that I am not burned out because I am always on stage for my clients. Okay. That's good. That's good that you have at least one day off. I, I, I couldn't, I'm not, I'm not like a person. I like, I'm like doing part-time work. That's my, mm -hmm. that's my way. I need a lot of time to balance. That's, that's just the way I work. But uh, if you had a favorite tarot card, do you have one? Or like, or is it like mainly every tarot card is? Uh, well, it depends on what's going on. Um, let me, I'm pulling through my deck so that I can show you. Um, sometimes they're my favorite cards for odd reasons. Um, for instance, the Nine of Cups, everybody thinks that's the Wishes Fulfilled card. But I always laugh because there's a secondary meaning, which is be careful what you wish for because you're going to get it. But my personal card is the High Priestess card. The woman who knows and knows she knows, but she's not going to tell you until she's good and ready. And she will, in a sense, know that she'll be ready when you are and not until. Because sometimes people aren't ready for the information that they need to have. That's the high priestess card in my deck. You know, um, there was a situation a while back that I read for a woman and she said everything was great. Yes, I got her dead people. She came back two or three days later and said, well, I have decided that you were vague and it wasn't really my dead people and I want all my money back. And by the way, if you give it back to me, I'll give you a five-star review. And that's plain blackmail. Um, she didn't get it all back. But I discussed this with my own spiritual mentor, someone that I have known since my 20s. Uh, and we are basically like spirit sisters at this point. And she reminded me what was a witch in the old days. A witch wouldn't read everybody. A witch would decide whether she wanted to help you or not. And a witch didn't care if you were happy with what she told you. The witch told you what she knew you needed to know. And in that sense, that's who I have to be. Um, if in the first five, 10 minutes, you say, I'm really sorry, Reverend Corby, but we're not connecting, then yep, you get your money back. It's not a problem. But you don't have a reading with me for an hour and then say, none of it was right. For one thing, you've wasted my time. For another, I have very often told people the stuff that they thought was ridiculous. And then they came back to me three months later and said, oh, my God, how did you know? Uh, and I have a Canadian story as an example. A woman came to have a reading with me in Kitchener, one of the big shows I do. And I told her a couple of challenging things. She got up, she insulted me, and she walked out. Okay. Well, the first person in my chair the next time I came back to Kitchener was her. She said, I don't know if you remember. I said, yes, I remember. She said, because you told me that I was going to take in a border and then I was probably going to want to sell my house. And I thought that was all bull. But my daughter moved back home because she's pregnant. And now I want to sell my house to help raise my grandson. And I still don't like you, but I want to know what else you say. <laughs> Children, don't shoot the messenger. <laughs> that's that's so funny. That's very true, though, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you're just a messenger. 
like you, you're not you're not you don't you don't have an ego in it you're not trying to you're not trying to stab anybody at any point like you're just telling the you facts remember what i said we are the tube it comes through but if you ever decide that you want to read publicly sean you have to realize many many people will see us just like a thing like a burger or a car wash or a latte i used to do 45 shows a year 45 weekends a year on the road I stopped that when COVID hit, and now I'm very comfortable working at home. But some of the examples would be things like a man would come up to me and lean over my table and say, okay, tell me something you couldn't know about me. And if you're right, I'll have a reading. I would just look at him and smile and say, I'm sorry. I don't roll over and fetch either. And I would turn my back and he would not get a reading. There was no respect. Second time, I had 15 minutes between my last reading and the next reading. I was trying to wolf down a sandwich. And a guy leans over my table, pokes my sandwich with his finger and says, you don't need to eat right now. My wife runs a reading. Now, my assistant slid in front of me and got him away from the table. But if you're going to be a public reader, you must have boundaries and self-respect for your time. Or you will burn out in very short order. And people will. Um, that's the word I'm looking for. Try and take advantage of me. Yeah. Simple as that. Simple that, as that that goes with, yeah, any type of I mean, like uh, def definitely with this type of industry. But mm -hmm. yeah, I would say boundaries. Boundaries, setting setting good ma making them known, making them well known. Now Is is there anything that you wanted to cover that I haven't talked about so far? Sean, I could talk on this stuff for hours because I've got decades of experience and stories and honest to God, there I was and stuff. So I direct it exactly toward what you want to know and what is important to you. I want to know a lot of things. I Something, a highlight, a highlight that we haven't talked about so far. Could it be about your past? Could it be about your work? You're going to laugh, but the highlight is I get to get up every morning. I don't have to get up every morning. When you know you are here in service, when you know that you are helping people change their lives, notice I'm not saying I change their lives. I hand them the information and they either take it and work with it or not. When I know that I am an elder, not a boomer, and I'm teaching the next generation, um, I'm the luckiest person on earth. It is rare that you can find something that so fits your sentence of passion. Now, what's that? Your sentence of passion is not who you are or what you do or even how you do it. It's your vapor trail. When you go skidding into heaven on bald tires and fumes in the tank and God hands you a beer and says, so you get to say, I did this. Isn't it wonderful? My sentence of passion is cross the bridge from fear to fearlessness and fly. When I can take somebody from point A to point B, when they thought they couldn't make it, show them where their wings are, teach them to fly, say, get, what could be more wonderful? So that's the key, especially if you're going to be doing this work and you are going to be any kind of an intuitive counselor or healer, find your sentence of passion. I worked with a woman who works with hospice. She can literally see the soul's as people leave their bodies. 
And her sentence of passion is, I treasure the gift of showing the weary the path home. That always reminds her why she does the work. And even on the roughest days, that's why she's there. So that would be the one thing that I would recommend. Really go deep onto why do I want to learn this work? And do I want to put it out in the world? Or is it just personal growth? Because it could be either one. Not everybody has to teach. But then you can find that sentence of passion, which will be your rallying cry out into the world and will help you shape your spiritual and metaphysical growth that much better. I, I, I admire the passion and the, 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 the reasoning behind it. And like, I'm still looking for a lot of my, like what, what my sole purpose is. And I was, how old are you? I'm only 30. You're a puppy darling. I did not learn anything at 30. It really took into my forties and fifties to coalesce everything together to know who I was. And my fifties and sixties have been, I will use the word powerful, most powerful, but not as in powerful, more like wings are spread. My totem is Raven, just like with the Hayden and the Tlingit. And so when I hit my, my 50s is when the wings came out and I really had my grounding and I knew who I was. So 30, you're young. You got lots of time. I feel like I wasted a lot of time though, like with, with, with because, because of my, my health issues, like I didn't really get to live my, my, my twenties and, and early, my early teens and stuff, or late teens. So okay. it feels like I wasted a, like half my life, Let even me... though I just like, you know, let me teach you a little bit about how everything in life is, as they say, grist for the milk. You know, people look at karma as bad and good, but it's not that. It's five things. Healing, service, contrast, unbalanced energy, and healing of beliefs. So when people have a rough life, it's not that it's bad karma. And I'm going to use the example of Ryan White. Ryan White was a kid who back in the late 80s and early 90s got AIDS very, very early in the epidemic from a blood transfusion. People didn't understand anything about AIDS at that point, and it was absolutely fatal. So he was treated like a pariah, kicked him out of school, his family was harassed. But he actually got to be friends with Elton John. And at that point, Elton was drinking and drugging and just destroying himself. But he was so moved by the strength and the courage and the resilience of Ryan and his family became very close. Uh, when Ryan died, he played at Ryan's funeral. He was inspired by Ryan to get off everything. And he's been clean and sober for well over 30 years. And in Ryan's memory, he created the Elton John AIDS Foundation, which since that time has raised half a billion dollars for HIV and AIDS research worldwide. Now, Old people would say, ah, see, bad karma, evil child. That's why God did that to him. Our understanding now is that Ryan's higher self, his soul said, well, it'll be a painful life and a short life, but look at what I can do through it. So his not bad karma, but it is the karma of service. He was in service to the world and people who were still there after he died. So just because you've had a rough go of it, your first few decades does not mean they were wasted. As you go more into your abilities and your growth, you're going to look back, you're going to see patterns, you're going to discover what spirit wanted you to learn 
from being in those situations. Okay. I agree that my 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 best lives, best years haven't happened yet. And mm -hmm. I have a lot of time to learn and evolve from all the lessons that have I've I've experienced. And mm -hmm. every day is a blessing. Mm -hmm. I try to minimize my my stress levels, my anger, my whatever occurs that that throws me off balance. Mm -hmm. And I I'm a I'm an optimist. I like to, but I'm not like po toxic optimist up up optimistic. I'm. It's it's what I call the glurpy purple with angels types. Yeah, I'm not like I'm not like that. But I I try to keep it real. But at the same time, I'm not gonna be like giving that negativity any attention you know mm -hmm. that's the way i look at life but okay in a short way of saying it but okay. yeah um anything else you want to talk about i know this is kind of short i, I, I was i want to make it longer but i i kind of ran out of questions here <laughs> part of it sean is that I'll be really honest. I have done between three and 400 podcasts over the last 10 years. And so I have refined what people want to know, how to say it to get the points across. That's, that's what you're sensing. You know, you've been fine. Um, the only thing that I would want to tell people about is this is the time to start exploring. Okay. Um, yes, this is my work. If you go to my website, yeah, you can find ways to have appointments with me, but there is also what I call wisdom on the wing, lots and lots of articles about spiritual awakening, past lives, soul plans, tarot, you name it. Um, I've got videos on my YouTube and I also have a blog on medium.com and I have not put up a paywall. It is not worth a few extra dollars to me to put it behind a paywall when I want this information out as widely as possible. So there are something like 160 articles up there where you can read everything that I have learned and pick and choose which ones are most useful for you. Thank you so much for, for your time here and sharing your story and and all the lessons that you've learned through life. Now, for 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 contacting you, where where can people find you? Let everybody know. Oh, they, they can't avoid me, Sean. They really can't. It's very simple. My website is corbymidline.com. YouTube, Pinterest, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Medium, all of that is Corby Midline. Always Corby, Corby Midline. Okay. Uh, and you can also find us at the-meta-verse.com or the underscore meta underscore verse at Instagram and Twitter. But yeah, that's all we have for today. I I enjoyed it. I don't know about you, but yeah. Uh, stay uh, stay after a few minutes, and we'll uh, after I'm done the recording. But goodbye, everybody. <laughs>